like I mentioned before, rather, Netflix announced its... Are you able to hear my dog barking? Yeah, the, the, the audio turned a bit rough. When the dog started barking or just in general? <laughs> oh, I didn't get I, get I didn't get the I pun. Get oh. Thank you. Oh, well, well done, done Lance. <laughs> Thank you. Who, who will take that crown from you at Funimation? The pun crown. <laughs> No one. Whenever they they threw me a going away party, and uh, the my cake had a pun, and then the gift bag that I got, there was a book of one-liners, and then there was a book on the history of the pun. Wow. Yeah. If if nothing else, they understood what you, what you really brought to that company. I, I brought the fun. Hey everyone, welcome to Zon in Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Today, we're talking about online streaming, specifically the way we deal with issues like VPNs, geoblocking, or anything related to the ever-popular phrase, this video is not available in your country, which is something that we're all very attached to, I think. And today, we have a very special guest on the show, Funimation's former director of corporate strategy, uh, Lance Heiskell. Hello. And Lance, you're current. You're currently running the Anime Nostalgia Bomb blog, right? Yes. What are you What are you up to on that? I am up to two thousand. Uh, up to two thousand. Yeah. What I how that started was um, I've been at Funimation since November two thousand two, and my first con was Anime Central two thousand three, and I had a, a digital A camcorder, and I would take pictures, show people at work. This is anime. These are the fans. It's not, uh, you know, just dudes that watch Dragon Ball Z. And so every con I keep stuff. Whenever at work we have magazines and whenever we moved, we were going to throw all the magazines away. Like people were going to throw magazines like, no. So I kept a ton of magazines. And then about four years ago, I was just looking through them and I'm like, oh, and I've got about six years of Anamerica. So I was curious to see how far it went, it went back. And it was 1992, and I could buy issue zero for ten dollars. I'm like, sweet. And then I saw on eBay that I could buy it the second year for twenty. I'm like, okay. And that old gene in me that made me collect baseball cards. That's what I did with magazines because I did An America. I have all of Anime Insider, and then Toshihida, who everybody knows from um, from uh, Ocean Dubs and 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 everything. Ranma, he was saying, Oh, have you, have you, did you get Animag? I'm like, What is Animag? And so I got the entire run of Animag, then Helen McCarthy with Anime UK and Anime FX. I found those, got all those runs, and then I've saved everything at work from convention program guides, ads, tchotchkes from cons, and now I'm, I have so much to display. It's just, it's going to take me a while. So, so you're basically I, scanning all this stuff and kind of preserving it on yeah, this blog yeah. for, well, I was going to say for future generations to see, but I, I'm well, not, do, do young people read it or is it all just more old timers who, who reminisce? It's old timers that reminisce and, but, which is great because I just know that from my research at work is there's a ton of old timers 
that are still in the anime. And if it just gives you the feels, like I would go in my Google Analytics and see a person that spent 40 minutes on the site. I'm like, ah, sweet. (laughs) And that's basically what I do it for. It's like, it makes me smile when I see someone's on the site for more than 10 minutes. (laughs) I I really love reading through all that old ADV copy on their ads. Oh, it's uh, ADV copy (laughs) the best. It is, it is the best. And then, um, just, just being in awe of the first years of in America where there were ads of Orozco Dochi and, and Ray Ray. And it was just like ads of hentai just out and open. I'm like, wow, that is cool. So also here today is Carl Olson. You may know him as Ultra Kleistron, nerdcore rapper, and he also did the theme song for this show. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Say hi, Carl. Hi. I still technically moderate on Toonzone as well, but it's a not as busy on forums these days. Carl, in addition to your your musical career, you're also a man between worlds. You're an American living in Canada. Yeah, and I have dual I have full dual citizenship, so I have seen both sides of this divided internet fence and lived on <laughs> lived on it at this point. Like I went to school up here and then I went back to the States for a bit and then I went to work up here, so after having, you know, I grew up in the U.S., so it's like, it's it's really weird to get into the habit of, oh, I can stream this, and then I come up here, I'm like, no, I can't, but then I can stream something else. We've made more than a few attempts to try and stream Toonami up here, though. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what what did we do again? We You had your... I try to use my, I try to use my Comcast, my parents' Comcast cable account uh, up here, and neither through a VPN nor directly would that play ball. <laughs> yeah, we, we got it to work for about 10 seconds. And, and then it just, just kind of just just kind of died, and then we just gave up and just torrented the space dandy dub. Did you try Slingbox? Oh. Um, I had a similar device okay. to the Slingbox, but the it was discontinued with support. And oh. I'm not sure whether I can. I mean, on one hand, it would be probably twelve bucks a month to run an extra cable box down there. Got it. Um, mm. but at the same time, I'm like, I just for to do that for literally. One block of television seems kind of crazy. <laughs> hey, it's it's a great block. It, it, is, a, it is a fantastic yeah. block. Like, it was kind of... So when Jesse finally got to watch Toonami for the first time was kind of a like, re- revelatory experience for him. Because as I recall, you you used to not get why people cared I didn't get it. So much. People, people just <laughs> love those edited intros so much. They wanted... And then when you see the whole package as con- contextualized together, you're like, oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a hell of a way to sell a show. Yeah, I I fell to Steve Bloom's siren song. So <laughs> <laughs> I I think I, I think I and mean, I honestly think particularly for people who were as young as my little brother who who just turned twenty two to like my age and I'm thirty one now. I think Toonami was key at getting people uh, into anime in that time frame because you could just you know it's it got it, whereas nothing else tried to sell it like it was cool. It was just another cartoon. Like, when you get done watching that minute 30 promo of Tenshi Muyo, and you're like, I'm going to watch that show. I'm going to watch the hell out of it. Like, you weren't, you wouldn't have watched it cold, you wouldn't have cold watched it. But after you see that in between, like, other stuff you're watching, you're like, I better watch this show. It <laughs> seems like the raddest thing I've ever seen. And then when you watch it, you're like, I actually, it was really pretty good. Yeah. Well, th- that was always one kind of problem from a Canadian perspective, is that so much of the industry was kind of piggybacking off of the whole tsunami phenomenon. And even though the industry, you know, it serves all of North America, it's kind of focusing on this one thing that's only in the United States. And it 
took us a while to catch up and you know things got kind of balanced in the end but uh i mean we're seeing we're still seeing some sort of legacy problems and 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 remnants of that whole idea of the canada us divide uh and it's it's come up in some interesting ways with streaming uh for the most part i mean most of the companies have some kind of system set up to ensure that you know, people on both sides of the border are able to access the content they're supposed to access. Uh, other companies do not. Uh, and I think there's kind of an interesting mentality behind it because, you know, it, it's probably kind of hard. I've talked about this with Lance before, but it's hard for American companies to sort of understand that mentality of being geo-blocked uh, because it doesn't happen to people in America very often. Ever. Yeah, it's almost kind of like a streaming privilege, kind of. Like, you you, you don't understand what it's like to be met with the phrase, uh, this video is not available in your country. Like, you, you take that so personally, and, you know, I, f- I, I find that people, a lot of the time when they see that, they have no desire to ever go back to a site ever again after they've been met with that message. That said, anime companies have been, I found, better than most uh, most media industries when it comes to sort of trying to accommodate Canada despite you know, still having to make as much money off of U.S. audiences as they can, uh, which I assume is a big reason of why Hulu is a is a focus in the the streaming the streaming game for companies like like Funimation and Viz. So, Lance, as director of corporate strategy, I'm assuming that you were fairly heavily involved with the 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 streaming ventures. Well, the, more at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then towards the middle and the end, it's kind of the person that I said, okay, you're going to handle digital. He's still handling digital, and then it's split between him and home video. So, mm. so yeah, it's because I think we started back in around 2006, or I think it was in 2006, getting digital. We were one of the first on iTunes and one of the first on PlayStation. Where we would get home in, the, home in the front page coverage, and then once all the major networks added theirs, they're like, Funimation, who? And so, yeah, it, yeah, because just from the digital streaming, the reason why Hulu is just the one of choice is it's all about the CPM. And so with the CPM is all the ad dollars. So the, mm-hmm. so the commercials you see is there's a dollar amount per CPM M is a thousand. Yeah. And then you're delivering the episodes to them and they're doing all the all the serving they're doing everything for you they're doing all your ad sales all your analytics i imagine i mean all, of, all being, of that being, being the yeah, analytics terms clicks per million i used to work at bing so i i i know i know this game <laughs> yeah yeah and so it's buyer build and yeah. so on our website early on it's i i i, I credit this to uh, uh kent wong who Bugged me every time uh, he would be at Otakon and Comic-Con of going down to Anime North. And whenever I finally got to Anime North and when people were saying North America and, you know, and just Toronto and just understanding. And whenever Vivendi Universal did our home video and I would go to their main offices and just, you know, just kind of, ah, Canada's cool. And just understand everybody's problems and then bringing it back to work and just letting people know it's like this is 10% of your customers. You don't want to piss 10% of your customers off. Yeah. Well, before the Navarra acquisition of Funimation, they were, they didn't really have any distribution outside of the yeah. US. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, and then if it was, it was a company before, before 
but they just really didn't do a, like boom power some distribution i can't remember yeah it was it was like nothing in mm-hmm. ai well, i imagine that 10% could be make or break on a title like if you can monetize that extra 10% that's the difference between being in the red and being in the black on some of the more niche stuff yeah and and so whenever we all of all the times we did funimation.com was making certain that if you have a hulu player making our own player that we would run ads on and you know making it for canada so that was that was kind of um uh which is which is kind of weird with viz doing all their stuff on hulu and can you get viz stuff yet in canada streaming we're, we're going to get to that in a bit, but no. Okay. Uh, Viz stuff is because, not available because, at all. Which, which is weird because a lot of the roots come from Canada, which is, oh, yeah. which is a bit odd. So I, I a lot of the dubs come from Canada too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think it, I think if, if it's a lot of it is just having someone go to Canada because all the companies are, are, are U.S. based and just going there, having a presence and just understanding it. Cause yeah. I I would be so pissed off if um, if this video was not available in my country. I I just I, yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it much. I mean, the only time I got it was for Doctor Who, right. and that was it. Yeah, I think it's the only time when the U.S. audience catches it if there's something on like iPlayer, and then that's the only kind of taste of that. That like, oh, you could yeah. have this this service you'd love to have, and you were just simply in no way allowed to touch it. Yeah. Um, or not without like a lot of runaround. Um, yeah, and so now BBC America, whenever the new Doctor Who comes out, it's in America in in a in four hours right. on prime time, and so it's they they did that to negate piracy. Well, and I mean that seems to be. I mean that's the other side of this is obviously the better you serve any of these audiences with streaming, the more you reduce piracy. Um, yeah, but I mean there's also just it buys you. Kindness, like it's funny because oh. Comedy Central's tried to, tried to soft sell how uh, when you're geo blocked on them, uh, but there's no way around the fact that it's really annoying to be browsing, you know, uh, just you know Facebook or Reddit or some other site, and you there's a link to, hey, here's this new funny bit from uh, Daily Show, and you just uh, know that you can't, you just like again and again, like just that's, every day hitting that. Yeah, to, to me, that's so- the the worst part is when embeds in like blogs or or you know a specific kind of article context they they embed a hulu link and then it and then you're just kind of left out on that bit of the context that's to me that's one of the most infuriating things about having it's... to to deal with it and then it, you know you get that, that you still get that feeling of I, I still say a big problem with the internet even though we perceive it as something that's really international it's really something that's u.s centric i mean most of its infrastructure is in the united states oh, totally. and then i mean when it, when you get to this geoblocking thing it becomes really obvious when you see things like people embedding hulu links into into blogs just taking for granted that their audience will be able to watch it when in fact nobody outside of the united states can watch it yeah it's it's kind of like the unintentional rickrolling yeah Exactly. Just yeah, the back. You don't even get the. You don't even get the fun of a rickroll. It's just literally. It's like you're going there, and it's just literally a blank page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just to backtrack one second, and Lance, feel free to correct me on anything in this chronology. The the way things develop on Funimation.com is that from the beginning, you guys had your own infrastructure set up with the in, intention of having a subscription service, and everybody in North America was able to, or in, sorry, in, in the U.S. and Canada rather, was able to access that site. Uh, well, it's, it's also. Well, it was it was a commercial free. I mean, it was commercial too, yeah. so you could stream stuff. The subscription is more for HD and commercial free. Mm-hmm. 
So it's 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 along the same line of what Crunchyroll does. It's yeah. it's a uh, and Hulu is yeah. After a it, while, you guys started forwarding yeah, everything to Hulu. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and whereas people who subscribed would have access to the full service, but for a while there was no, like what you eventually did was that you forwarded any Canadian viewers to sort of a dumbed down version of the subscription service, only it would have certain things blocked out like high definition, but it would still allow them to watch the content and get Canadian specific ads. Oh, you got Canadian specific ads. Uh, whoever you're, yeah. do, what you're working with for your video ad network is smart. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, it didn't. It, it it's only worked. Like, it's had a lot of problems over the years. I, I've actually have, I've emailed the tech people on the website quite okay. a few times, pointing out issues. A lot of the time, it wouldn't always forward to the video player it was supposed to. I would sometimes get Hulu streams, and there was didn't seem to be any way around it. Last time I checked on the free side, everything seems to be relatively stable. But I I heard complaints from people a lot of the time saying they went to the website and they got Hulu links and just didn't want to go back again. Mm. So. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to work around that kind of thing. And, but, I mean, still, even though it doesn't work all the time or there's been a lot of hiccups on the way, I, I can't think of any other industry apart from, you know, the anime industry and companies like Funimation who kind of go try to accommodate the Canadian audience in the way that you guys have. A lot of, a lot of companies would just, would just be, uh, happy just putting it, dumping everything on Hulu. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, I think with that is, um, with a lot of outside of anime, it's more just production companies that sell it. Mm. And so the, like with community, community is owned by Sony, mm-hmm. shown on NBC Universal. Then they got canceled and then Yahoo paid for the last season. And with home video, home video is Sony and not on NBC. So it's so part of it is it's if the studio owns it and rents it on their own network as well. Interesting note about community, and I guess I'll use this as a bit of a segue, is that the first four seasons of that, and I think the fifth season will probably pop up eventually, is that they're on Netflix in Canada, but not in the US. There's there's this kind of weird mentality that people have in Canada that Netflix or there's this perception that Netflix Canada, just by virtue of the fact that it is Canadian is in is inherently inferior to the American service, which I find kind of funny because we have a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff that the U.S. doesn't have. Uh, we have Batman the Batman the Animated Series is on Netflix Canada, but not Netflix U.S. for for instance. And at first, Netflix had issues where a lot of the anime was showing up in the U.S. but not in Canada. But everything seems to be day and date now on on that front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that, that, and that falls out of that Hulu divide. There's no Hulu presence here in Canada, so Hulu doesn't end up with rights to it here. So the rights can be grabbed up by a third party like Netflix. But I mean, that then ends up super weird when you, I mean, community being this very bizarre example of there's probably no reason Yahoo couldn't stream it to Canada, but they didn't buy the rights for it. They're not trying to really push screen as a service. They're they're not trying to push screen as a service necessarily here, which is weird because they are in Australia. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they're like, you, you get these bizarre things. So it's, and it's and you end up then with Dan Harmon going on Twitter being like, "Please VPN my show," and you're like, <laughs> "What? Yeah, what?" Yeah. And then did you have is is Amazon Prime? No, we do not have Press. Amazon Prime in oh, Canada, weird. which means that it, there's actually was no legal way to watch Transparent for quite a while. But after it won the Golden Globe, it finally showed up on one of the Canada exclusive yeah. streaming services called Show Me. And in here, here we have an interesting situation because we have 
our media giant Shaw owns Show Me, which is kind of their attempt to make their own Netflix. And then yeah. uh, then Bell has Crave TV, which is their attempt to make a Netflix. Mm. They, they, those companies couldn't even you know work to, they, they, even despite all the collusion that exists in our media environment. <laughs> They could yeah. not work together to create one single service. And people have speculated, you know, the purpose of these services isn't to compete with Netflix. It's just to snatch up the rights to things so that Netflix can't get them. Uh, which is really frustrating because if they work together, they could, they could probably make a proper Hulu, oh, yes. a proper Hulu alternative, but that's, that's just not happening. Well, they're both subscription. There's no ad supported here. Yeah, four exactly. bucks a month for each of them, and you have and to be not, subscribed to the cable service that so you can't owns actually it. get. You know, if I'm on Bell, I can't get Show Me. If I'm on uh, Shaw, I can't get Crave, yeah. which is insane. Yeah, um, it, it's it's region it's region blocking within your own country. It's yes. sort of like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm ex- I'm expecting like Community Season Six to just kind of get dumped on one of those services at one point. Uh, it's a, it's long a, after it's relevant because I have a sneaking suspicion that with a fan with communities kind of fan base, they'll they'll have watched it, they'll have watched mm-hmm. it already. Or the, or if they they'll take a look at well, I can try and I if they assuming they can even get that service, they'll be like, well, I can get this for six, I can get six months of Show Me, or I can just buy the DVD. Oh and yeah, there's nothing else on Show Me that I want. DVD. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have that that that's kind of a screwed up situation right now where you can't you can't get that that kind of Hulu alternative. And another another company that does use Hulu embeds the same way that that Funimation does is Sentai's Anime Network, the branded streaming service that just will not let that Anime Network brand die. So they <laughs> yeah. attach to their streaming service. And they, if you view it from the states, you get Hulu embeds just like with with Funimation. And Lance, I'm curious, do you know what Sentai does? For Canadian viewers on their on their service to to sort of uh, compensate for the lack of Hulu, no. So they actually offer everything ad free, free of charge, and in HD. <laughs> awesome. It, as far as I can tell, they basically give all the subscriber perks to the Canadian audience because they just they couldn't. I, I could have sworn they had. It's, it, it, might, it might be. It's like they they just don't want to do the time to do legal on it. Well, the, the implication to me is that they're lo- going to lose money either way. Yeah. Because, I mean, is it is it true to characterize streaming in Canada as, like, a like an a- automatic deficit? Well, I think with the companies, it is a secondary thought. You know, I, I, I like Canada, but it just seems that for all the companies, Canada is a secondary thing. Oh, yeah, let's do this for Canada. Mm. And that's – I just see that as just really unfair. And because within Canada, within the beginning of the anime, was there ever an anime company that like a distribution company or just a production company? Because like, I just wondered for the longest time why Ocean didn't do their own DVD production and distribution because Manga UK was first and then Manga US was second. But then incidentally, Manga was one of the companies that had has traditionally always had the best distribution in Canada. Yeah. I remember, I remember when those Evangelion movies came out the first time. They were everywhere. Every everywhere. store had dozens of copies. Yeah. Whereas at the same time, none of the other distributors seemed to be able to yeah, get anything on the it's, shelves. It's, it's just lack of focus. People forget. I mean, it's just, it's, you think of, oh, well, we need to hit the numbers. And I'm like, you guys, it's focus on Canada. Yeah. It's like people want this. And I, I think, I think part of the other tell to me that people want it is, is whereas I've seen in the U.S. post 
anime bubble, some of the anime stores that were actually physical locations and stuff fall off, and there's been some condensation, I think, in the online retail space as well. There, like you, the same anime store has been in the same location in the most in in a very expensive to rent mall here in Canada for just decade at this point. Mm-hmm. Like you know, um, and I think that speaks a lot to yeah, people just will come in and and purchase and buy. You don't yeah. you don't keep you don't keep that kind of retail space, especially in Vancouver's insane market, unless you're moving. You're, you're, you're moving retail volume. Yeah, we got yeah. we got that, Sakura Media here in in Vancouver and over in Toronto. I know they have one pretty big anime store, kind of in their Chinatown district. That I'm kind of amazed is able to stay in business, as, especially with the amount of space they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember like um, was it Giant Tarantula? There's a lot of comic book shops that I saw mm-hmm. in Toronto having booths. And what's happening in America in the last two years? It's they're finally becoming Canadian hobby shops where in in America it's always been comic book shops, comics, comics, comic books. And in recent years where board games are getting more popular and the manga coming out of out of we don't have borders anymore. There's right. there's they've been cutbacks in Barnes and Nobles. Mm-hmm. All the manga is coming to the to the comic book shops. Mm-hmm. And now tons of merchandise has just been on and so many superhero TV shows and movies that whenever I would go into a hobby shop in Canada, it was just like, you got everything. It wasn't just the comic book shop. And now that's what's happening here in America. And to your point, anime still really isn't in hobby shops in, in the U S but they are in Canada. Well, also one big thing is that in the States, you guys have Kinokuniya books, which hasn't uh, expanded up to, to Canada at all. Yeah, but that's that's very limited, and they, and they are SRP. They really oh, don't yeah. understand. True. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like y'all have the H&Bs, and we have our FYEs, and it's like paying full retail at a mall <laughs> this day and age. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. FYE is still hanging in there? FYE is, FYE is making a comeback. Wow. No. Yeah, because yeah. here, like, we are. So, I actually on Facebook the other day asked, like, does anybody know where I can buy a CD here in Vancouver? Because I wanted to get the new Tyler the Creator album, and it's got five variant covers, and I wanted to pick my variant rather than just getting whatever Amazon sold me. And basically, half the responses was 1998. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's when you can best where you can buy a CD in Vancouver. Oh man. And, 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 and we do have, we have really what's left is there are two HMVs, one downtown and one in Metro Town Mall. There's one in Surrey as well. Oh, well, yeah. okay. So there's three for a metro area of two million people. <laughs> and that's where you can buy CDs because, because I mean, yes, there are some, there are, there's top 40 at like London Drugs and uh, Walmart. Actually, Best Buy here doesn't even carry CDs anymore. They've completely. Oh, wow. Yeah, what about what about um, uh, record shops? There are record shops, but the record shops are almost more record shops. Like it's straight oh. vinyl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because record shops here are like um, half vinyl, half CD. No, like it's interesting that like the one the, the the record stores that survived here, I think survived by just going straight vinyl audience, which is cool if yeah. there's a vinyl release. But that's not obviously a uniform thing either. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting a lot harder to get physical media in Canada, despite the fact that we're not always getting the you know streaming infrastructures to yeah, to compensate true. for that. We only just got Spotify a couple a few months ago. Yeah, Spotify used to be another one of these things where somebody'd be like, "Here's the high new single embedded in this blog," and then you're like, "Uh, 
and then you don't yeah. you don't care enough necessarily to go find that. Like I don't even care enough to go try and find if somebody's also uploaded it to YouTube ninety nine times out of a hundred. So it's and I mean that's the whole thing. I shouldn't have to count as a consumer that this thing that's being made available for free in a region is going to be made available similarly in my region. Like having to like guess and check that is maddening. And I can say that more so than ever having, you know, bounced back and forth between the two countries for about half a decade now. <laughs> I think in five years that smart companies, I, I think it's going to be down to like within anime, it's just going to be worldwide rights that if it's either going to be company A, company B, or company C is going to be releasing this and they have worldwide rights mm. and they've made a machine or a platform that you can like turn on different countries where you buy worldwide rights and it's like, okay, well, it's in this country. You don't have ads yet, but let's just play it. I feel like I feel like Crunchyroll's really uh yeah Crunchyroll once 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 they stop trying to figure out that they stop trying to like be a thing to sell once they decided to be a company yeah like they went in on that incredibly aggressively oh it's amazing yeah it's it's yeah it's amazing and then Daisuke uh, uh is is coming back because was that show uh, God Eater oh yeah yeah with Daisuke. I keep forgetting Daisuke's thing. <laughs> well, actually, because yeah. this anime consortium Japan, which is doing Daisuke, there I I, I think would... that's actually not a bad approach to just say like we're the producers of this, let's own the platform straight yeah. out. Yeah, and but then, then we don't, then we shortcut a bunch of this legal and this loop. Yeah. But then they it also gets kind of, tied up in all that red tape. Well, they, like, they, that, they that comes a... along with with the whole cool Japan initiative. True. <laughs> yeah. But they had a panel at um, at Anime Central. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that shows real commitment. I think any time the companies start to actually turn out, because I mean, you know, now that you've left Funimation, I think it's way like you like you marked that change in that company's behavior. You know, yeah, like, it was like Funimation got its head in, in the game at the fan level when yeah. you came on. Thank you. That yeah, that that was basically um, the approach is market how you want to be sold mm. and just trying to instill that into everybody. In the case of Daisuke, do they do multiple languages or subtitles in multiple oh, languages? I, I don't know. I, I went to like the Anime Expo um, yeah. um, uh, panel, but then what I what I saw was like they had a panel at Anime Expo. I mean, sorry, Anime Expo, Anime Central. It was one of the guys that was at Anime, at Bondi Entertainment was, um, was running the panel. So... Part of the problem is, I remember with Bandai Visual is, you need, if, if Japanese companies are coming into America, they need to know how to market to North Americans, not just Americans, North Americans. Yeah. Um, I make a point when I'm at a, at a, at a convention doing a panel, I say North America. But, but does America. that include Mexico though? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the, the thing is we have. That's, that's where the whole word game starts. I know. Yeah. We have, we have English speaking rights. And so yeah. I just, it's kind of like, um, I feel an insult whenever I say America yeah. and and all this, this stuff because like on we have this stuff too. So that was actually one thing I wanted to bring up about Crunchyroll is that I've noticed that with a few titles where Funimation will get the, would have gotten the exclusive English language rights to something, Crunchyroll would still go for the Canadian French rights because you have the francophone market in uh, in Quebec. There was Selector Infected Wixos, I think, was one show that Crunchyroll actually. Got the snag the French Canadian rights oh, wow. to that that's show. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that, I'm saying. that's what I'm talking about. Aggression, like yeah. that's like yeah. that's thirst. 
that that is good yeah yeah and and yeah that's that's the thing about funimation is and, and i guess one one problem they 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 might face is that everything's going global everyone wants to get the global streaming rights but funimation has only focused on english language stuff and you know you have all these other languages that aren't english like, like yep. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, it's just understanding that, you know, you wake up and you realize that, oh, this is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the, it's... The, fr- the francophone and Quebecer perspective on streaming, actually, that's something I'd, I'd like to learn more about, but I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't heard much about it from, from people in that situation. But, uh, if you know anything about it, I mean, let me know. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I know, I know two people that, that whenever I was at Anime, Anime North, would just was, um, it was Summer Wars. They wanted us to do, see if we could get a French dub on it. And then I was trying to work on it, and but oh. we weren't able to do it. And so, yeah, it, it would be great if you could have a French dub, but then it's well, but then understanding well, what type of you know dialect or French language, or it's just you go into this whole rabbit hole of just understanding that, and and then it really comes at the end of the day is a return on investment and time. There's such a huge dubbing industry in Quebec, yeah. uh, which is kind of, which kind of interest, which is why I found it kind of interesting that no companies tried to tap into it. I've said this before, but I always thought it would have been neat if uh, Viz had done an, uh, a French dub of Inuyasha because, well, obviously the show was really popular in both the U.S. and Canada, but it, you know, it was in Canada, it was kind of like our equivalent to Cowboy Bebop because we never mm-hmm. got Bebop on basic cable here, but Inuyasha was sort of that first title that was being marketed towards older audiences, at least on YTV. You know, it would have been interesting if if that had translated into trying to also bridge that gap in the in the Quebec or uh, francophone market as well. Yeah, just one of those one of those interesting might have beens that uh, that kind of came from the industry. Yeah, all these might have been. <laughs> it's like just imagine if one of these networks or one of these cable up shows, cable companies played anime at late late at night like they do in 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 Japan and see. If the audience would have taken it to it bigger, yeah, there's definitely. I mean, that if, certainly, that certainly paid the bills and worked well for for Cartoon Network. But there's a yeah, lot of other there's a lot of other niche content that might that would have fit better elsewhere. I mean, there's always that. What if what if Lifetime or Oxygen ran shoujo anime late <laughs> night? That's, oh, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite what ifs. We 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 pitched them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, what if what if much hadn't been bought out by CTV? Maybe they would have oh, gotten. Yeah, I, I I got I got into I got into Moist. I got into um, 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 uh, the Tragically Hip. I got introduced. I got been introduced by, by so many good Canadian bands by watching much music. Oh yeah, you, just, you do get a version of it down there, don't you? Well, uh, whenever we used to uh, we used to get it straight up basically, and then yeah. it split. Mm. Yeah, it was it was like it was like still to this day one of my favorite bands is the Matthew Good Band. Oh yeah, it's just it's just it's just that time is like so much good music was. I mean, there's probably a lot of great music coming out of it. And whenever I got Sirius XM for my for my Nissan Rogue, they you know you get you get that six month trial, and you get and you get about six channels of Canadian uh, radio stations. I've been of the opinion that Canadian content rules have actually helped music. Carl disagrees with me on that. I, I feel it's a 50-50. It's good for certain indie stuff, but then it's really bad for your top 40 radio um, at points here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because let me I, actually, I'll, I'll give you a great example of a probably a band that you might enjoy that uh, um, my wife caught on much when they're very late at night when they actually still run music videos up here called the Ooh Baby Give Me Mores, and they had a video that was you know partially government funded or much funded that ran for this amazing track, and it's just like wow, this is this is great music, and it's music that you got to see because you have the Canadian content roles, and then that's forcing them to invest and actually look occasionally at some really cool new acts. But then there's right. other stuff that um, is, you know, I, I don't feel that that then makes it onto like your top 40 station here. Your top 40 station here really tries its best to like run as much American content as possible. And then the Canadian content they run isn't the really fun, exciting stuff. It's the, you know, what can we play after a Taylor Swift song that isn't going to distract from the Taylor Swift song in a weird way. Got it. So it's sound alikes. It's a, it's a little too sound alikey sometimes. Yeah. You know, I think the interesting thing is, is that much music was probably, particularly in the nineties was probably putting out a much more interesting slice of what was going on in Canada than what was likely getting broadcast on any non-college radio station. Oh, college yeah. radio is great, but college radio anywhere is usually pretty exciting. <laughs> so next we'll talk about, the, uh, the other companies that tend to just dump their content on Hulu and don't really do anything else to improve its accessibility outside of the United States. A few of the companies that do that include Japanese distributors like TMS Entertainment or Bandai Visual, a lot of the Lupin movies, a lot of the old Bandai Entertainment titles that haven't been relicensed yet in North America have just sort of been put in stasis on hulu right now and no real effort has been made to make it accessible outside of that i'm guessing because it's more of a catalog dumping kind of kind of move uh without a lot of consideration for actually making it accessible to as many people as possible what most people will will know as the biggest perpetrator of this though is viz media okay well just to put it into context i'm gonna i'll go back and explain sort of the situation with viz so like funimation and sentai Viz did develop their own streaming platform, but the big problem is that they took a different route than those other companies did. They developed Neon Alley, which some people might be familiar with. It started out as a linear streaming broadcaster, so it it didn't provide content on demand. It actually functioned like a television station that you would subscribe to for 6 or $7 a month, and you'd follow everything on a schedule. Everything would be dubbed. But they would put, you know, their their dub premieres and some of their older content on there to access, and it was available through PlayStation Three, Xbox, and a few platforms like that. And this platform was available to the U.S. and Canada, but it did not include any of their, you know, simulcast content, which was all Hulu exclusive at that point. Eventually, that service folded, uh, despite the fact that they started introducing some on-demand content. They eventually folded their own platform and just moved the Neon Alley brand exclusively to Hulu. And when that change happened, uh, they posted this promise that eventually Viz Media would be making the content available to Canada. It has been well over a year since that happened, and I think it's becoming increasingly obvious that they're probably not going to do that, especially since they already invested so much money on you know, developing a, a platform of their own that didn't really pan out. Where no one's really sure what they're going to do. I, I like to think that the obvious solution would have been teaming up with a company like Chorus and utilizing their that their embeddable streaming platform, ideally in combination with some kind of broadcast deal. Uh, and I like to think that they've at least attempted that. Uh, at this point, I doubt it's probably going to happen. So now we're in a situation where it seems very clear that Viz may just be quietly condoning the use of 
of VPNs. And if you, in case you don't know what a VPN is, it stands for Virtual Private Network. It's a service that kind of fools systems into thinking that you're accessing content from a country different from where you are actually as accessing it from. Uh, you can, you know, you can pay for one that will allow your entire network to fool systems into thinking that you're accessing content from the United States, uh, or you can just use browser plugins like, uh, like Hola or TunnelBear. But it, it, it seems like we've hit this point now where Viz is just, rather than actually making the content available, they're just condoning the use of, of doing things through VPNs. And that, I'm kind of curious about that sort of, uh, that sort of approach. Lance, do you think that that's a valid approach for a company to take in terms of making content accessible? I think that the, the companies, they didn't even think about people doing VPNs because people running the companies might not be, uh, technical to know about that. The ones that are doing the mm-hmm. deals with our fans, I mean, our, our fan base, it's, People know how to do this. I mean, before it was like, oh, torrenting. Okay. Before torrenting. Oh, well, it's news groups. Okay. Well, I have to get all these hashes. All right. Good old IRC. And, and, and before that was, yeah, yeah. If you knew how to get, do an IRC get and see what people have and then share it. I mean, it's people that did that before that. The, the, the fans have trading through the mail or, 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 or listservs. And so it's just, it's embedded within just any nerddom that, um, you know, I, I went on the Jonathan Colton, Joko Cruise crazy. And I think about 50% of corporate 500 companies had their IT staff go on vacation because everybody, everybody worked in IT. And so people are savvy to, to know what a VPN is, know what a proxy. And then if you're going to do a proxy, it's all about buffering. And so, you know, do you, do you want uh, a data plan for your proxy? I mean, for your VPN, or you want unlimited data? You know, it's, they, they're smart. They know how to do it. Yeah. I feel like definitely the Venn diagram of the anime fandom and the, the IT computer science, you know, STEM group is always been very heavy. And even as that's diversified, um, an audience, I mean, that used to be, you know, anime used to have a very, uh, you know, male audience, I guess, for lack of anything mm-hmm. more subtle. The fact of the matter is, is, you know, even as that's diversified, the tools, uh, have only proliferated the tools to make those tools. I can say as a developer are a lot easier to deal with. It's a lot easier to make, you know, it's like, oh, we need a new, we need new software that, that, that builds, that, that lets you access the VPN. Well, the software that lets you make that software, the development environments are better. So you're always up against that, um, by the nature of the anime fandom. Like it is always been very savvy and it will stay very savvy even as it expands. And I think that almost more speaks to that nerddom growing in tandem together. Oh, I'm into, I'm into, I'm into CS. Well, you know, your people, your, the people you're going to hang out with are into anime. Oh, I'm into anime. Well, the people you're going to hang out are into comp sci. <laughs> you're yeah. just, it's just going to be, you're going to catch it one way or the other. I think that's let anime be at the vanguard of a lot of these things. You know, anime bore out that home video, I think could work as a business model very early in the game. I think it bore out home DVD could work as a business model very early in the game. And it's bearing out that streaming is valid. Mm-hmm early yeah. but i mean that's also at points been driven at each turn um by piracy first yeah because because yeah with with the dvd box sets it's like anime has been doing dvd box sets five to seven years before 
um, regular TV box sets because I remember going to Best Buys and the only TV season box sets was Buffy. And right. then it was around 2005 or 2006 when companies finally put out box sets for shows and they actually sold. And then once once that hits, then all the companies are going, we have catalog, flood the market with box sets. And then it was Netflix of and Hulu's. It's like, here's this. And so all the companies think, oh, I've already produced this show. I've already put all the money on into it. I've already made the money through TV and syndication. Now I can get a second amount of money through the DVDs. Now I can get a third amount of money, even more money on Netflix. And so it was kind of secondary revenue. And nowadays, Netflix and Hulu's is just a part of your revenue. Yeah, you figure you budget that in. I mean, yeah. it's very obvious that that's the way Sony has treated community the whole way through. Yeah. But I imagine that's a lot tougher for distributors who need that all that whole pie to add up to, you know, there isn't we're going to make the money on television first for most anime titles. There's hopefully you make money on home video first and then streaming, but you're actually going to be simulcasting, so there's going to be already some money hopefully made in that initial run of streaming and like it seems like the math gets to be uh, a lot more finicky is that that seemed well in the right? case of viz it one one thing that's really frustrating is that a lot of the titles that they stream and are not making available in canada are titles that they have not released on home video and don't seem to have any plans to yeah. release like reborn is one that has just Kind of perpetually slipped out, slipped through the fingers of, of Canadian audiences. I don't think it's even on iTunes. I think it's pretty much only Hulu, but Viz has not really kind of compensated for that for, for the Canadian audience. But I, I am curious, and just regardless of anybody's actual opinion, what is the actual argument against, like the industry argument against using VPNs and sort of maintaining these invisible or imaginary region barriers? Well, yeah. it's contracts. The, the thing with, with, I just wonder if, if, if it started with the DVDs, because with just TV contracts in general syndication starting in, you know, the seventies and eighties, then that model kind of dipped into DV, into TV and DVDs because with syndication before cable was really big, it was with Dragon Ball Z before it was on Toonami. It's you would either watch it in your town at six in the morning or at three o'clock in another city. Or some city wouldn't even get it. But then if it was on cable, everybody got it at the same time. And with, with the rights, I know with, with anime, one part of the committee gets international rights and then they'll sell the international rights. And some rights are available in some countries and don't get taken up. And with all the region coding, with DVDs, I mean, you know, people finally cracked the DVD coding a long time ago, but it's mainly for money. If you can syndicate it, and get rights for this territory, you get X thousand dollars, this territory, X thousand dollars. And so when you have networks and with syndication money, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's all born out of syndication. And then that model came to the, came to the DVDs and there aren't companies big enough, you know, to have the machine to, when we release this in, UK, we're going to have it translated in Japanese with a dub day and day. We're going to do this in Canada. It's just setting up everything at once 
there it's it still can't be done on a global national scale yet there's not like a, a platform everything is still so fractured and the fractures are just different companies because i know like with canada what you have about maybe three main companies pumping out all the content and then america you know you've got the four major networks you have a lot of production you have a lot of production studios but a lot of those are owned within the major conglomerates with anime you've got maybe 60 different studios doing anime it's it's a lot fractured in japan uh-huh. yeah there isn't there isn't any parent companies who are on top of these things they are actually their own business that then pairs up with distribution and pairs up yeah broadcasting and the rest of that yeah it's just it's just territorial and region coding and then just the getting it into that into the different markets you know is is there a broad enough fan base in a country and did some people take the risk of making a business for that because i remember just kind of um all the hong kong bootlegs and if the market is so bootleggy that the fans are just getting it is there a company that would be willing to risk it to make it legitimate what when in the case of streaming i mean the the whole issue of having these kind of arbitrary region barriers at at least you know in in a lot of countries and 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 definitely in canada gets people riled up which i think is kind of the result of trying to strictly enforce these artificial regional barriers on countries in a way that sort of conflicts with real real life political barriers because in most cases at least with 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 home video and, and with anime and i guess most types of media are licensed the u.s and canada rights are always attached and hulu just throws this interesting wrench into the whole thing by Which by only bizarre, being available yeah. in the united states and and a, a funny thing about hulu is that they 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 still have not made any effort to launch in canada and i always found it funny that they would they would be more willing to enter the Yakuza-infested entertainment industry of Japan before they'd even be willing to give Canada yes. a shot, uh, where where it's failing yeah. miserably, uh, which I think is is really funny. And I think Netflix may be in for a similar fate when they when they try to expand into into Japan in the future. Uh, but it really seems clear that you know Hulu has no intention of expanding into Canada, and then our own infrastructure can't seem to produce a Hulu equivalent of any kind, which seems to be what you know. Viz specifically has said that they're looking to partner with, uh, which is a, you know, some kind of company that does not exist. Yeah, I mean, you're just getting sort of these, these conflicts of, of different, different perceived barriers that don't all agree with each other. I mean, is there, is there any way this is all going to work itself out? Or, you know, do we have to just kind of ignore it and just seek gray market options for the foreseeable future to, to make it usable? I think the tough part with the VPN thing is, is, I mean, the other, the other side of, the, the, besides the contractual reasons of, of, of keeping them running, uh, of, of keeping the barriers up is, is then VPN subverts that and then you can't, you know, they don't want people to use VPN because they'd like to dream that one day they would monetize Canada and that they would wait patiently where this, where this blocked off that somehow can- Canadians would never see this. And thus, you know, the piracy doesn't exist in any other format. So that if you, you know, VPNs, uh, you know, don't allow that the ad dollars. If I watch uh, a show on uh, Yahoo screen via VPN, I'm still getting American ads because the whole point is, is that it's spoofing my location in the United States. Yeah. So it's not, 
Uh, it's messing with their ad numbers. It messes with, it messes specifically with their CPM because I imagine once a lot, I imagine VPN users are not clicking on ads. So that's lowering their, that's lowering their CPM rate. It's taking up, taking um, up bandwidth. Which then lowers the value. Yeah. Well, I mean, bandwidth is, the bandwidth is, would be, taking up bandwidth would be fine if you were paying for it by actually clicking through on those ads. You're probably not. They're probably actually click through, uh, sold ads as opposed to, uh, impression sold. Could be wrong on that. That's a but guess. But even if you do, you're like but, those advertisers are are looking for American eyeballs, not Canadian. So yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah you, you well the thing is is you would at least lie convincingly, and you would have technically helped, not really, because eventually the ad if if all of the ad traffic was actually through coming through VPN, and it was all people who would never convert it to a sale, eventually you'd still see that ad traffic lose value. But yeah, you do get in. I think as Lance touched on the logistical problems that even with, I mean, whoever Funimation's p- partnered with a video service happens to be smart enough to sell on the back of the Canadian Impressions specific advertising, but um, not every ad network set up for that, and you may want to work with whatever ad network's going to give you the most money for your main uh, uh, streaming target. And if they, and, you know, I imagine part of Hulu putting off Canada is you then you need to set up, particularly from their app, from, from their point of view, the scale of it, a Canadian ad sales arm and so on and so forth. And they're like, nah, not worth yeah, it. Yeah. I, I think, I think the primarily with the Canadian with Hulu is just the major networks with the TV shows where they have exclusives or it's, it's all the major networks where it's like, well, yeah. we sell this to CTV. We sell this yeah. to global and it might be in their contracts. Yeah. And so probably not helping so it anymore. might be just like, it just might just be a deal that it's like, okay, well, we have to support these two things. Okay, well, we won't touch you and everything. Yeah, the problem is with all the anime companies is with Hulu is your your better deal. I would say that if YouTube had a better CPM, people would go to people would be everything everything would be on YouTube and we wouldn't have this discussion. It's just that Hulu gives you a better CPM than YouTube. Because you can watch, so you can watch a lot of stuff on YouTube as well. It's just that other companies in Japan, YouTube is just not viewed well. And that's why you don't see a whole lot of anime on YouTube. Because I, I think the solution is just a global solution. It's, you know, if it's a Funimation, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a Crunchyroll, and now I'm seeing more anime on Viewster. Do y'all get Viewster in Canada? I actually have no idea. <laughs> one of the guys working on that is Rob Perretta, and he was the one that he was at Crunchyroll, and he also did uh, Bandai Namco, and he's and he's doing a lot with Viewster. So I don't know if they're I getting. Anime. I just hit Viewster, and like the top thing on their banner is School Days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can 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 you get it? Can you get it in Canada? Hold up, I'm trying, I'm trying to stream. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm trying to. See if it, I'm on, I'm hearing my Skype, like, bulk. Oh, it's going. It's going. I could watch School Days on Viewster. Okay, good. All right. Yay, alternatives. I know what I'm watching tonight, <laughs> then. <laughs> All right. Yeah, nice it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like I, I, I know of Viewster because of that, because that one person is on LinkedIn is like, oh, Viewster. And I hear Viewster yeah. a little bit. Because I know that we've licensed a little bit of our content on Muster, but I just don't know if they, 
if they are going global with content or licensing it or whatnot. I think a lot of the alternatives is, you know, if anime companies can find secondary alternatives where it, if they can't be on, you know, like if Viz is on a Hulu, well, can they work out a Canadian only? Well, actually, actually that's, that's interesting because when Viz first launched their streaming, they were on Hulu and Juiced. Uh, I don't know what has become of Juice. Oh, yeah. I Juiced. Oh, Juice is a nightmare <laughs> for me. Oh dear. But yeah, they, 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 they linked to Juice as their Canadian alternative, but then that just kind of went away after a while. Yeah, Juice, Juice, Juice yeah. went away. Yeah. They, was Funimation on Juice too? We were using their video back in for a little bit. Huh. But we then their on... video, well, their video back in just wasn't, it just, it, too much buffer and then that, there, that was whenever the variable bitrate was just becoming new. Mm. And so it was just not ready for prime time yet. And then it just never, never happened. <laughs> that, and that, that was years yeah. upon years upon years upon ago. Yep. So I, I assume, I assume everything Funimation in terms of your own backend is now in house. You're not trying to like subcontract. That, that. Oh no, Every, everything's, everything's been after juice. Everything's been just internal. You know, it's, it's always been Funimation's always been, you know, buyer build. It's always built. Well, I mean, with with Viz and uh, you know probably the the I think what has generated the most controversy with their inability to get their content to Canada is Sailor Moon because of course Sailor Moon is significantly popular. Sailor Moon was born in Canada. I always think Sailor Moon's born. Yeah, in Yeah, Sailor Canada. Moon is definitely one of the shows. I mean, that last back half of the old Sailor Moon R dub was made for Canada, and it was it was a huge yeah. hit here long before it even showed up on national TV in the states. You know, I mean, it's understandable that the new dub would be made in LA instead of, instead of Canada, but like it really see, it really, it's just so, it almost seems inconsiderate just to not make some kind of exception for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if this is listing, well, you can put, they can same. put it on Viewster, I guess. That's, that's one solution. I imagine they don't yeah. want to work with Crunchyroll or any of the, you know, perceived competitors, even though I've noticed that Viz doesn't seem to have any hasn't had any simulcasts for quite a few seasons now so it's kind of interesting to see how that dynamic is, is sort of is sort of developing or maybe even leveling off i i'm almost expecting of it that sailor moon will just get dumped on crave tv or something at this point i i don't want that to happen but it's almost starting to seem like <laughs> the most, most likely outcome for this yeah i i think the most likely outcome is a company would be very smart just to do um a 24-hour channel just 24-hour anime channel that um similar to what Bloomberg because in the States, Bloomberg, Vivo, um the all the American comp all American music companies have Vivo and it's on YouTube, but then they have Vivo.com where it's a twenty four hour MTV where you can just turn oh, it on yeah. and watch that. Um Russian TV RT has you can you can just Sign download news, yeah. that on, on the rap on the Roku and you can watch it. If people want anime on TV, it's for discovery. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the biggest like mistakes that people make is assuming that streaming is like some kind of replacement for television broadcast, which I I disagree with it's completely. Not. It's, it's yeah. absolutely not. Yeah, it's it's absolutely not because TV. Whenever I would do all the surveys on the, the survey cards to this day, it's like, what got you into anime? Number one answer all the time is TV. That's what gets people in. But then, um, because you know the new TV is Netflix is Hulu because. People that just go to Netflix and then they watch a sci-fi movie and then Netflix recommends them anime. 
I'm like, yeah. what's this? I, I still argue that even the best yeah. curation system that Netflix can develop, it it can't replace, you know, having somebody who actually knows the content running a block on a television network to to sort of in, introduce content that way. Uh, much, you know, much like the people oh, behind yeah. Toonami run that block, which is again what makes it something worth trying to stream in this country to watch, just because it's it's such a well put together yeah. block. And you know, of course, Bionics was when it was on YTV as well for for five years. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I think uh, one one idea to your uh, watching Toonami is Silicon Dust HD Home Run Prime. I use that as my cable box, where it's I use Windows Media Center as my um, as my cable box. Because whenever I would turn on Verizon FiOS, I would get a freaking ad every time I would turn on my TV. I'm like, I already have your service. Don't don't sell me things. And so I gave away that box. I have. HD Home Run Prime, they're launching a Kickstarter where now um, they're doing their own subscription service where, you know, they have, they have, they have, they have a schedule and um, Plex is one of the stretch ah. goals. And so what you could – so with Plex is if you have a TV, dedicated TV in your house running TV and it's over the network, if you're connected to that network – then you could watch what's on that network. So if you have something like in Seattle that has a dedicated HD home run cable card that's on that computer on that network and you could just, you know, get it log in and you can view it. That might be the nerdy, nerdy alternative. Yeah, but I mean work. the thing about all these VPNs and workarounds, I mean you can It's a workaround. Yeah, it's it's, it's they're, not, they're all it's workarounds not. is the thing. I mean there's there's nothing that's actually illegal about using these uh my oppo dvd player is my workaround for um getting the young ones spaced uh red dwarf you know all all these all these yeah exactly and well that that's what makes this whole thing interesting because i mean you can use all these workarounds to access this content pretty much the only thing you're violating in most cases is a is a possibly a terms of service and in a lot of cases that's it may not even be there for for all any of us really know but i mean if there's no if breaking the law isn't actually involved in this process i mean it just seems like companies might come become complacent in sitting back and letting all these gray market workarounds happen rather than being proactive and actually like trying to adjust region monetizing their market (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, monetizing markets, trying to adjust to different regions in a way that is actually beneficial for them and the audience as well. Yeah. But it just seems that the, the existence of having just sort of these soft workarounds that aren't really hurting anybody is, it, it might almost be encouraging them to uphold region barriers rather than try and work around the problem. Yeah, the, the one thing I would, the thing that, that just puzzles me and I, I know from firsthand is people think that piracy is a threat, but piracy isn't a threat. It's untapped market. It's untapped demand. It's actually proving that your content is wanted and a certain percentage of the people will never buy your product, but a certain percentage of the people saying, I want this show so much. I want to watch it now. A percentage of that will buy the DVD when it comes out, but then they'll buy it on Amazon UK because it's not in the market. I think that a smart company would actually go through you, well, you'd have to have a, a smart, someone illegal, someone with a good IT background just to go through the, the channels of, you know, the IRCs and just looking at the streams and seeing what areas and what countries. 
or a, a company that is licensing a show that they would actually monitor all the countries that it's being pirated and then go to these countries like, look, here's how popular it is and you just use real BitTorrent streaming data. So, Well, my opinion has always been that services like Netflix, iTunes, Crunchyroll, you know, none of these would have existed if it hadn't been for piracy. Yeah. It's, these are all ways to adhere to customer demand that is being demonstrated through piracy. And it, it, it almost seems that if people weren't trying to work around these boundaries, these, these, these boundaries, then companies wouldn't actually be using the technology to its fullest, fullest extent in order to deliver their product. Yeah, and it's, and it's also just an, this is history repeating with the music industry. There's a great book, history. I mean, appetite of, of, um, of mass, of self-destruction. That talked about it's Rolling Stone writer talking about the music industry in the 70s, 80s, 90s when the CD was popular, and then and then the Napster coming in. That um, I, I think it was a Rhapsody had the entire model that you see today over 10 years ago, but then the music industry was afraid. Yeah. Yet, if well, they would have figured that out, the model it had it with much more stringent DRM. So if they had embraced it and made yeah, that the default, they might have. I mean, ultimately the DRM would have been broken, but they might have made they might have made it a lot more acceptable if they had made the same kind of gear shift that they made between we're just we're not taking LPs back, and you've got to yeah. take CDs. If they'd done the same, we're not taking CDs back. You have to. Hit a, you have to hit the subscription streaming service. Yeah, region codes. Uh, yeah, region codes are just horrible if you're not in a main country. Just going back to the way that the, these artificial barriers conflict with actual political barriers. I mean, the the fact that we can't even get this figured out inside North America or even just between the United States and Canada. What hope is there for this to actually work globally? It just it almost seems like streaming is like a false promise. Well, I think what's what's happening is a good example of, of what's going to work is the company's getting deals with it's like with Netflix. Uh, I was just doing some research before the show. I was just curious because you know House of Cards is was in Netflix here, but it was on TV in other countries, so it wasn't on Netflix yep. whenever Netflix wasn't set up. With House of Cards in Australia, House of Cards used to be on a Foxtel, but you had to get a Foxtel subscription to watch House of Cards. And then like Gizmodo of Australia had an article in 2014. It says House of Cards season two, how to watch in Australia. And it tells you Ola, Unblockus, Gitflix, and Tunnel Bear. And then in 2015, whenever Netflix is opening up to Australia, now they get season one, two, and three. It was Netflix hadn't set up shop yet. And so I think if there's going to be one area where if it's easy for companies just to dump content somewhere where it's just something that they can just get money, send their content and just be be done with it. It's that that's basically how companies work. Well, another cha- challenge to doing it globally is the demand for streaming in some countries, because, you know, here in the U.S. and Canada, you know, our our television industry is pretty much completely broken and we we often think that i mean going back to what i said before about streaming not being a replacement for television broadcast i mean sometimes people think that television as a medium is broken which is really not true especially in countries that you know have a strong infrastructure for that kind of thing like like australia for instance or 
the UK or especially Japan, where the entire television industry doesn't seem to have budged in the last 20 years uh, because there's just no perceived problem with it. In my mind, that kind of creates some 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 other challenges or, or dis- disincentives to actually make this all work in a in a global sense. Yeah, yeah, you have all this content, but now it's who produces it. So Netflix produces their own content, so getting by region coding is fine because they own it. Amazon, the content is fine. They own it. It's going to happen with HBO in America. You can now just get HBO. You don't have to have um, a cable channel. Like if you have an Apple TV, you can download the HBO Go app and just pay HBO. You don't have to get cable. No, I think it's and so, definitely that. And over so, the and so I, I wonder if that's going to, if, you know, if that step is, you know, HBO and Warner saying, okay, well, let's make HBO globally to compete with Netflix. Well, if, for now, it's U.S. only because that service isn't coming to Canada. That <sighs> sucks. Yeah. Well, again, HBO's probably licensed some of these shows to a Canadian partner. And I think that's... Yeah. I think it... Yeah, they're all they're all owned by um by Shaw. No, so. there's... Or, or sorry, by, by, actually Bell has the, uh, the, the lion's share of the, the HBO stuff, I think. It's, a lot of it's on Crave TV, actually. Yeah, no, it's, it's gonna be weird. Like, the, I think the big thing is, you're right, ser- streaming is, is very different for Discovery. I don't, I wouldn't say that it's not happening. TV may still be a, a prime driver, but I think I have definitely run into people who, even if their first little taste of anime with TV, they, deepened a lot faster because they could hit like Crunchyroll or Funimation.com and then just like marathon show oh, after show crazy. after show after show. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've seen like usage numbers that I, I imagine marathoning was surprisingly all, you know, yeah, you had people following along with the simulcast, but there's probably a lot of like, I missed this show. Better watch the entirety of it. Or, uh, or it's like, um, I have a 14 day trial. How much anime can I get within 14 days? <laughs> and it's like crap. I didn't finish it. Okay, now I have to get a subscription. <laughs> ah, the the good old drug dealer model. <laughs> yes. No, but I that's uh, at the same time though. Yeah, it changes the nature of discovery. And I think at the international level, yeah, as you have as Netflix starts to say like, wait, we we've set up shop in every country, so this just debuts globally. That's one side of it. Um, but that may be trickier. Uh, you're right, due to the very unique nature of how anime is produced as a medium mm-hmm. in Japan, making that translate, barring every everybody involved saying, well, we'll all get behind Daisuke, and Daisuke gradually figuring out what they need to do in each country, which still will ultimately involve local partnership of a sort, though maybe more, you know, a Daisuke USA that's handling, you know, North American localization versus localization in other territories. Um, it's yeah. not that you can't do it, but it is, you're right. It's a huge infrastructural thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just the tech is almost the, um, it's certainly not non-trivial and even the people who are really good at it have trouble with it. So you may have noticed Netflix has announced recently they have plans to expand to Japan. And in that press release, they implied intentions to get in on anime production and anime distribution in Japan, given how the otaku market generally works how they usually respond to foreign companies or entities 
sort of interfering with things there. Do you think that whatever plans they have might actually be feasible and change the way things work globally? Or, you know, do you think that this is just a misguided venture that is probably going to end badly? The one understanding within all the different production companies and bidding shows in general is they want competition. And so if Netflix gives competition, now this is just for international. Locally, streaming hasn't really caught on. It's still a big TV watching. Physical is still there. I mean, granted, I I haven't really done a whole lot of research just from just anecdotal. Because you have Nico Nico, but outside of Nico Nico, I just don't know what they have. I just wonder if the net, if, um, within Netflix getting in and being there, you need people in the territory. And hopefully it's people that have worked within the industry in Japan that Netflix has hired to run it. So it runs like a Japanese company just with funding by Netflix in the Netflix name. Hopefully they're doing it that way instead of saying, oh, we're Netflix, we're the big fish, you should do it our way. They should learn how to do it. Kind of like the reason why um, a lot of Japanese companies say, oh, we can do this in America and fail is because they just don't, they're marketing the way that their home country, the country that they grew up in and work in did it. So, you know, if Netflix was smart, they would work like a Japanese company and do stuff like that instead of like, we're going to shake this up and do it our way. They're going to fail if they do that. Yeah. That's just, that's been their thing so far is just sort of, uh, interfering in, in flawed business yeah, models. Yeah. I think it's tough because like they are ultimately of the, the disruption generation of tech companies. And while there are certainly aspects to the Japanese model that could probably be very lucrative to disrupt. And would be in the end, in, in the end run beneficial to disrupt and be good for the, for the, for the, for this, for the creative studios. Like if they're in a position where they can say, you're not going to have to worry about your timeline line on this. Just take the time to do it right. We'll bankroll this so that it gets done right. Yeah. There's right. probably like, like that's an angle that you could use to sell yourself. It's outside of the regular model. If you treated it not like television production, but like, not full, not big expense OVAs, but take the television budget, but with an OVA schedule. There's a place where they can make some very good shows, but then that's still, okay, you've made a very good show. You will probably be able to turn around and certainly, re- re- you know, show that and get viewership on your North American streaming platform. But you have an uphill battle in terms of knowing your market in Japan. And I mean, it's not just... I mean, some of what was has worked for Netflix and certainly what they seem to be going in in the North American model is get known creatives um, who do well on the platform to make content directly for the platform. And you could do the exact same with anime. They could take a look at all of the streaming data for everything they've got on there and say, uh, and come to the conclusion, we need this director with this studio working hopefully in this genre if we'll, if he'll concede to that and then let him go at it for 13 or, or 26 episodes. You know, they're in a position where they can make that kind of insight into what would probably work as a show. But the end sales of it, particularly for, I think, the very unique marketing that you have in the otaku market in Japan, which is like, and Japan's 
different to North America, but then like Otaku Japan's more different still. That's something that they have to have people on the ground do. And it's not that they couldn't find people who would probably be great to consult on that. Um, you know, there are people, you know, there are bridges that they could, there are people who, who they could hire that would bridge that cultural gap for them. But you have to go in knowing that you have that deficiency. And that's, I think, often a blind spot. I mean, coming from the tech industry background and seeing these companies admit when they've blown it and when they need to talk to somebody uh, outside of their uh, worldview is sometimes very tricky. And it, it's sometimes the make or break. It's what keeps the keeps a company in the game versus not. I mean, Google famously brought on Eric Schmidt out of Microsoft because they knew at that point they needed somebody outside of that worldview to help them keep going. And then they dropped them off as they learned how to, how to do that. But, you know, will Reed Hastings do that in Netflix with Japan? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Any, any last thoughts? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss, I'm going to, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss seeing Lancet cons. Unless you happen to be at the same event as me, but I don't go to cons like I used to. Same so, here. No, well, like you had at one point, I remember seeing, we're going to have one little bit of reminiscing here. I remember in 2004 seeing you at like SakuraCon and then seeing you later in the year at Otakon and you just looked like you'd been run over by a steamroller because well, you had been doing every con for them that year. Well, it was every con and then also launching Kitty Grade and Tinchimuyo while prepping the launch of Full Metal Alchemist oh, while man. we were growing with brand managers and you brought on a lot of people that year. Yeah, and then that was the time where you helped out getting materials in Japan, and you also would do your own media budgets and buying. Wow! And so, so you had like the, so this was basically one per like you you were kind of handling for one show everything. Well, for for multiple shows, almost everything. What's great now with Funimation is everything is everybody's been specialized, and just you know we have a, a team to get materials in Japan. And so they're constantly with Japan getting materials and checking through and coordinating with DVDs and production and then coordinating with the simulcast because the simulcast and now doing the simul dubs. Yeah, no, I imagine that, that, is, that requires. That is just unfathomable how much effort and time and just the logistics seem crazy, but it gets done. It's just amazing. I feel like it's, like that's, it's like it's, it's got to be a bit like Shirobako, just that nonstop going on. I'm not sure if yeah. you, have you watched that yet. No, I, I I haven't yet. You really? Oh, it's fast. You would probably. You need you'd, to see well, it. You, well, you're probably already too familiar with some of it. I'm sure. Well, well we're we're hoping that season two will will factor in the world of international simulcasts in the production well, process. What, what I what I wish would, would be really good with Shirobako if. If they would include the international licensing people in that team, and if they would show committees and approvals, if they had an episode of international approvals, oh, that'd be fantastic. And then we'd get our caricature of like you or somebody. Actually, or actually, no, wait. So wait, Sentai got that, so we'd get Matt Greenfield, (laughs) and then he could do his own dub. (laughs) His own dub would be a grumble. (laughs) 
Well, that was Zonan Canada. I hope you enjoyed it. Big thanks to Lance and Carl for coming on the show. Also, thanks to Carl for our great theme song. You can check out his stuff at ultraclysicron.com. As always, you can send me your feedback or thoughts through the comment form at zonan.ca or on Twitter at jbetteridge. If you know anyone who might like the show, please recommend it. See you again.